Hello, and welcome back to the Long Distance Love Bombs podcast. I am your host, Dr. Jeremy Goldberg, and today's guest is James McRae. I have followed James' work on Instagram. His handle is at wordsarevibrations. I've followed him for a long time, and I love his stuff, and I love his humor. He has this really interesting way of combining profundity with hilarity in a stylish manner. I just dig his stuff. And I reached out to him and I said, hey, yo, do you want to be on my podcast? And he said, yeah, I do. And I have a new book coming out all about creativity. Could we talk about that a little bit? So we did. For those that don't know, James is an author, a poet, a meme artist. He's a creative strategist that used to work in advertising on Madison Avenue in New York City, who then had some significant transition time before jumping into this new space that he finds himself. He's the author of a couple books. One is called Shit Your Ego Says. The other is How to Laugh in Ironic Amusement During Your Existential Crises. And his new book is called The Art of You. And it's all about reclaiming your creativity. It's a sort of guidebook that is grounded in this idea of yin and yang. He has a really a unique way of integrating Eastern mysticism into his worldview and the content that he creates. I really loved this conversation. We talked about presence. We talked about energy. We talked about the muse and intuition. And at the core of everything that we discussed is the idea that life and living is inherently a creative act. The way that you shape your identity, your belief system, your perspective, your responses, all of that involves agency and choice. And with imagination and intention, you can flex your creative muscle to create anything that you want, anything that you desire. So this is a really good, fun, in-depth conversation all about living a life of aliveness and creative expression. I encourage you to check out James' work. It's great. I've included links in the show notes to all of that stuff. So without further ado, here is my conversation with James McRae. All right, James McRae, we are officially underway. That was creative. That was a poem. We're off to a good start. We're already uh, rhyming. We're already rhyming. Uh, it's good to meet you, man. I've followed your Instagram account for a while now, and then randomly one day, which I'm sure you can relate to, had a little burst of inspiration where I thought, hey, I'm just going to message that dude and see if he wants to talk. And here we are. But for those that don't know you, that don't have any idea who James McRae is, like, who are you? How do you describe yourself? Yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for reaching out. And um, it's good to be here and good to meet you and be on the podcast. Uh, I am uh, I'm a writer, uh, first and foremost, been a writer most of my life. And just a general creative, my, my creative and artistic journey has taken many forms and twists and turns over the years. I feel like at my most core of my being, I'm a poet. And I've written poetry since I was like 14. Um, I've published poetry books. Um, but also I've uh, worked in advertising and branding as a brand strategist and as a designer. Um, I have, I might 
be best known for my internet memes <laughs> because at some point I I started thinking about you know what art looks like in the age of social media and like what what poetry looks like in the age of social media and and just experimenting with with form and bringing my design background with my writing background and using those to create memes and social media content and um I've written a uh, a few books and my my next book the art of you the essential guidebook for reclaiming your creativity uh is coming out in February um so yeah here we are yeah here we are um I I'm just I'm stoked to have this chat because there's a lot of alignment between the way that I experience and view the world and the way that you do it also. And this book, this new book, I mean, we may as well just start there. It's a guidebook for creativity. Mm -hmm. What do you say to the individual that says, but I'm not an artist. I'm not creative. No, you don't understand. That's not me. Yeah. You know, I think that in a lot of ways, like, the term artist and like identifying as an artist has really been um it's been kind of hijacked by you know almost our like our capitalistic systems which you know say that oh you have to you know be a be a published author or or be a professional painter or a professional filmmaker in order to earn that title of being an artist and i really contend that we are all born artists i think that creativity is an essential aspect of human nature i think it's a life force that moves through us you know when you think about people talk about spirituality and what that means and to me it just means we're all spiritual beings because we're all animated by the life force of creation it's the force that animates our bodies and i feel like our own creativity is a natural extension of that so for example if if uh if the universe is a tree that's growing and each human is a branch growing from that tree our own art and our creativity are the little um leaves and fruits that sprout from the branches so it's a natural extension of our own beings the same way that we are natural extensions of the universe itself so for me it doesn't matter what form your creativity takes it's just a matter of tapping into that creative spirit and that can take different forms you know starting a business is a form of creativity you know there can be creativity in love and relationships and friendships and even you know having you could have a dinner party that is a form of art um you know cooking can be an art um you know painting poetry obviously can be can be art so i believe in the democratization of creativity and it's something that we all have access to and there's a lot of benefits to creativity beyond just being a professional artist i think it's i think it's healing to connect with that part of ourselves i think that's our nature and i think when we when we do create 
whatever it is that we create, we're tapping into our own nature and we're waking up the inner child and our own innate sense of wonder. And that's healing. It's healing for us. And it's also healing for anyone who, you know, witnesses our creations. And um, when we, when we can create and, and fearlessly create, we're, we're giving others permission to do the same. So there's a ripple effect around us when we, when we tap into that inner artist and express it without, without fear or self-doubt. Hmm. Yeah. There's something so powerful about recognizing that creativity exists moment to moment in terms of perspectives, beliefs, responses, reactions, uh, expectations, assumptions, uh, it's sort of always operating below the surface, but then to hear you name it that way as, oh, that's just creativity. And then you can invoke imagination and agency to sort of discover or, or create any kind of number of outcomes that you might not have considered previously, I think is an empowering lens to view the world. Is that a fair description? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that when, I mean, what's the opposite of creativity? I think it's reactivity, right? So it's like we can either we can either follow the rules that we're given we're given by society and you know society likes us to follow rules, you know, you look you look at the education system, it was literally designed to train factory workers. And that's just not the world we live in anymore. So I feel like people are like stuck in this limbo where the old world, the rules of the old world no longer apply. Like we're not in a, we're not a, we don't have the luxury of like going to college and, you know, learning a trade and then just su supporting ourselves and buying a home and supporting a family based on that trade for the next several decades. You know, we live in a world of increasing uncertainty. You look at technology and AI and all the shifting dynamics, you know, in global politics and the economy and inflation, et cetera, et cetera. You know, things are changing very rapidly. So I feel like we all need to tap into that inner artist and that inner creator more than ever because I think we're on the precipice of creating a new world, you know, and I feel like we can all be participants in what that world looks like. Um, so reclaiming your creativity is, is for me, it's about reclaiming the sovereignty of your own consciousness. So instead of just reacting to what's happening around you, you can actually, actually initiate your life with intention and with purpose um, and bring your visions to life, whatever those are. And I think we need to do that on the individual level but also on the collective level. So I would love to see creativity spread like, like a virus, you know, and, you know, can you imagine if, uh, if creative thinking went viral in, in the world, you know, and um, almost to spark a new Renaissance that we can, um, you know, just help restore just balance and goodness and um, beauty to the world. Amen. And it's happening slowly but surely, bit by bit. I'm curious since you brought it up, the um, the overwhelming amount of uncertainty and anxiety and and whatnot as we're moving into a faster and faster paced 
faster changing, faster evolving system? Like, how do you personally look at that? Or how do you deal with the anxiety or the associated possible terrors that come with some of those thoughts, like as a creative? Yeah, it's an interesting question. I feel like, I feel like throughout my own life, I have always taken little leaps into the unknown. And I think that's a really valuable habit to have because I feel like the, when you leave your, when you leave, when you, when you venture into the unknown, what you're doing is just, you're expanding your comfort zone. So like for me personally, like I grew up in a very small town um, in rural Minnesota, you know, and, and being an artist wasn't really, you know, something that was trendy there. <laughs> right. Um, so I feel like I have always just ventured away from where I was comfortable out of necessity. I feel like um, I wrote a poem once that was called born a long way from home. And I feel like we're all born a long way from home, which just means that life is supposed to be a journey. You know, we're not supposed to just be born and then just, um, you know, never, never go exploring, you know, never go on any adventures, um, never take any risks, always stay within that comfort zone. So just by the nature of where I was born and what was around me and what I wanted to do, because, you know, I discovered poetry at a young age and, and art and creativity. And just like, I was always inspired by these artists. So I knew that I would have to kind of venture away from what was familiar in order to just find the life that was meant for me. So I feel like I've always just taken these leaps of faith into the unknown, you know, whether it's just leaving my my small town or, you know, moving to Minnesota or moving to New York City, you know, moving to LA, moving to Austin. And also, I think meditation has been a big part of my journey and and the mindfulness that comes along with meditation because for me, in a way, meditation is about not taking your own thoughts too seriously or not getting too sucked into this idea of certainty. Because like the, there's like the ego mind that's, that, that, that craves certainty, that wants to have everything figured out. And uh, I think that meditation trains us to kind of just soften the sharp edges of our logical thinking mind. And helps us understand that there's a lot more uncertainty in the world than there is certainty. And that's okay because certainty is just something that the ego craves. You know, it, it feels safer when there's certainty, but in truth, certainty is an illusion. Things are always changing. The only constant in the universe is change. Um, so I'm, I'm a big believer in, in, in letting go of the small known uh, in order to embrace the the bigger unknown because i think that's just how how we grow and the last part i'll add to that is um it's not really an active part of my life these days but in the past i've had a number of experiences with plant medicine and in a situation like that that is 
uh, wow, that is really a sandbox for jumping into the unknown, right? Like where there's nothing certain to hold on to because really the, every semblance of what is known is kind of, <laughs> it kind of dissolves and you're kind of thrown into the unknown. And then you end up, you know, learning lessons and coming back to to earth and, and then you can kind of see, oh, okay, it's, it's, it's safe to let go. The unknown is not as scary as I may have thought. So I feel like the uncertainty in the world today, when I look around at my friends and family and people that I know, the people who are doing a better job, you know, riding through the storm, so to speak, are the people that have allowed themselves to, you know, trust the unknown uh, die those little tiny deaths throughout their life, you know, so they, so they have a little bit more of a fluidity um, to how they engage with the world. And I, and I just think that's so valuable now more than ever. Mm. Yeah. I, I love that. And um, I've, I've got a good meditation practice that I've jokingly referred to at times as boredom practice or uncertainty practice mm. right and it sounds like that's what you're describing there and, and i think for a lot of people just the idea that you can get better at being uncomfortable or that that is a skill that you can hone and improve over time is a profound realization in itself right yes absolutely i mean like even i've gotten um I've had experiences where I've gotten fired from jobs throughout my life where like there's no, I, I had no safety net and it's like, you're kind of really pushed into the unknown and that's such a scary place to be. And just, it's not fun. Um, but just learning to navigate that unknown and, and really it's, it's about trusting the unknown. And instead of, uh, instead of being afraid of that uncertainty that comes with that leaning into the uncertainty, and accepting it and trusting it and finding that trust when there's no, you know, it's hard when it's hard to find and there's, and there's nothing to really grasp onto when you can, when you can dig deep enough within yourself to find that trust in a higher power in the universe. Um, it's just a, it, it's just a blessing when you can find that peace in the unknown. Yeah, the, the surrender at last, right? Yes. Forced or, or unforced, like you get to choose. But I'm curious if you could talk a little bit about your uh, transformation from big shot Manhattan executive ad guy to meme lord on Instagram or the creative process that that happened for you during that transformation. Mm -hmm. um, it seems like it touches on a lot of what you've already mentioned here, but I think for, for people listening, it might be helpful to just hear how you did it because yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, certainly. Yeah. So I was, I worked in um, the advertising industry for many years, first as a graphic designer and then as a brand strategist. And um, that began in Minneapolis and then I moved to New York City and I was a brand strategist on Madison Avenue for a number of years and I, I ran a branding department and um, you know had this really fast-paced uh, 
you know, work hard, play hard type <laughs> career. And uh, one thing I will say about that is, is, is it definitely took a toll on my mental health and on my physical health and, you know, working, you know, these long hours and, you know, the, the client, um, the client work never ends, you know, and it's like fast, fast deadlines and, um, you know, all, always in productivity mode, always in almost in emergency mode where every, every project is a new fire to put out and you're just, the whole agency is, is just like churning and burning. Um, it's, it's, it takes a toll on, on you. And as hard as that was, I will say for that period of my life is it, it taught me a lot about creative endurance. And, you know, you don't, you don't, we didn't always have time to wait around to be inspired. You kind of need to produce things on a, on a, on a, on a rate ongoing basis. And it, it, it helps to train you to trust sometimes the first idea because you don't maybe have time to second guess certain things. You kind of have to like be good at finding ideas quickly and taking them and developing them rather than just like waiting around for our, you know, inspiration. So there was a lot that was a good um, influence on me in terms of developing my own creative endurance, but it, it definitely took a toll on my spirit and my heart. <laughs> and after a number of years, I was re I felt like I had reached a dead end with that, with that profession. And that coincided with the uh the rise of covid and during during covid it's like then the world kind of slowed down and people were starting to re rethink their priorities and how how they how we were spending our lives and i felt like i feel like i i really started to just go deeper within myself and I felt like I just felt like I I was at a dead end and I had nowhere else to go. So I I kind of fell into a state of surrender. And it was in that surrender that poetry started to trickle out of me again. Cause it had been a really long time since I had written poetry, because I just didn't have space for it. So for me, it was a matter of reawakening the inner artist or the inner poet. And so it started with poetry and um and then memes came in to that to play as well you know because i feel like during covid you know there's just a lot of on social media you know i don't know if you remember or if the listeners remember all the chaos at that time and that and that and that includes both the the virus itself but also all of the conspiracy theories that came up around it and it's like what what well what's true what's not true who's lying what what's really happening here so i i started to explore some of those ideas and the funny thing about memes it, is that you can you can speak a language with memes and i think this is similar to poetry where there's a certain artfulness and nuance to how you can create a meme where it's like you can 
you can give a speech or you can give a lecture or you can write an essay and it's kind of like you're defending this point of view but with like with a poem or a meme i feel like you're you're tapping into maybe even like a like a higher truth or you're tapping into the nuance of a of a subject and by by using humor or metaphor or allegory or whatever it is so i started to write poetry i started to create memes and i just started to apply all the lessons i had learned as a writer and as a creative but to to memes and to internet content and i started to think about well what if i what if i use my instagram page as like treat it as if it's a book that i'm writing in other words like my my you know people use instagram to promote their other projects but what if i used instagram to be my art gallery you know my book so i'm creating content that's specifically designed for social media and and memes really sp speak the language of the internet um so i for me it was just a, a matter of experimentation and reclaiming my inner artist and playing around with how i could apply poetry and spirituality and philosophy to this internet meme format um, and it became like just like a sandbox to play around with that format and it turns out that people like memes quite a bit so they started going viral and and um yeah it, that's kind of what even even though i was already a published author at that time and you know i had a little bit of you know people some people knew me but when i started to make memes that's when my public profile really started to blow up and at the beginning or during that shift did you have a thought whereby you wanted to pivot careers or you thought oh maybe this is how i'll start a new business or this is how i'll blow up and get more followers and success or was it just you following that intuitive nudge to make some cool memes yeah, there was no preconceived idea about where it would go. I feel like they just started to come out of me. Um, I feel like it was... Well, the poetry came out of me. It was honestly like it was an act of surrender. It was like, I don't know what to do anymore. Like, I feel like I'm banging my head against the wall trying to keep progressing in this career, in this industry. And I feel like the harder I tried, the less traction I was making. And I just, I felt helpless. So for me, the poetry, it's like when I surrendered and let go, I feel like the poetry came through as a moment of grace. Uh, so I kind of just fell into that. And, 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 and the poetry was just kind of there to catch me. Perhaps that's a good segue to the yin and the yang ideals that you discuss in your new book um whereby the yang would be you forcing it being determined banging your head against the wall trying effort etc and then it sounds like the yin is a bit more of that creative expression the poetry the surrender do you mind sort of talking a little bit about that or sure, yes and i'm sorry if you can hear my dog barking 
No, you're good. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm going to wait for her to stop. <laughs> there must be a delivery. This is a good surrender practice. Like, exactly. oh, oh, hey, uh, I've I've had many conversations on the podcast over the years. And at various times, I've had to catch that voice internal that's like, this isn't professional. This isn't how it's supposed to go. Oh, God, this is bad. And be like, nah, man, fuck it. Doesn't matter. This is cool. This is all content. Dogs bark. People have pets. It's fine. They do. Okay. So, yeah. What's the, your the dog's arc- name, first of all? Sorry. Uh, well, that one was Pepper. Pepper. And um, whenever there's a delivery, they, you know, she thinks she's a guard dog, even though she's this big. <laughs> nice. So, the yin and the yang of creativity is sort of an idea that was the initial seed that led to my new book, The Art of You. And the book is actually divided into two main sections, creative yin and creative yang. And the simplest way to explain them is yin is about being and yang is about doing. And these correspond to the feminine and masculine polarity, right? So the yin and the yang, the feminine and the masculine, the being and the doing, these are two ends of a spectrum that we all have within ourselves. We all have yin, yang, feminine, masculine. And for me, the creative process is about knowing how and when to tap into both of those different energies because they really are not in conflict with each other. They complement each other. And yin for me is about receptivity. So this is like before you ever, before you make any art, before you actually do anything, create anything, I think the creative process starts with yin. And actually the first chapter of the book is called the art of doing nothing. Because I think when we're on this treadmill of work, 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 be productive, it can be hard to go from that to being an artist or to, you know, if, if you've been working all day, it might be hard to write a poem. You know what I'm saying? There, there, the mind requires some spaciousness in order to create art. So the first step, yin is about doing nothing. And, and, and honestly, it's about listening and it's about cultivating your intuition. And it's about finding that flow. It's about finding your purpose and your intention and listening to the voice of the muse and even letting your mind wander and to daydream. Or it could even be consuming art and finding inspiration in art galleries or books or music or movies and like actively consuming art. Um, So it's about just cultivating your consciousness so that you can hear the ideas that come through because I feel like we all have access to the muse and you know, the muse is an idea that comes from ancient Greece and it's like, Oh, this, this goddess 
comes down from heaven and whispers ideas into the artist's ear. And I think that's a great metaphor for our, our own intuition. Because I think that intuition is our natural state when we tune out all the clutter happening all around us and all the mental chatter and all the noise. Um, there's a line from my book that says, a mind that's too full of information has no space for inspiration. So it's like cultivating that stillness of mind through through meditation or through just spending time in nature and really tuning into our body and our emotions. Because I, I feel like the creative process starts in the, in the body, not in the mind. Because I, for me, like just for example, if I want to write a poem or, or create content, I usually sit there with my notebook and I start by just noticing how I feel. And I feel like our, our feelings and our, our emotions and our energy have access to a more subtle form of intelligence that's beyond the reach of the conscious mind. You know, the, the mind is a great problem solving tool, but when it comes to accessing inspiration and intuition, I think the mind is the last place that it goes. It starts in the body, it starts by feeling your emotions and you sit with that long enough and then it's going to bubble up into an idea. So I start with the body, not the mind. So that's that's really the the yin of creativity is being receptive to inspiration and to sharpening the antenna of our own consciousness so that when we produce things, we're going to be inspired and there's going to be a purpose and intention behind them rather than just work, 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 work. And then pretty soon you're running on fumes because you don't have access to that deeper well where creativity comes from. So that's yin. And all of that, nothing is created when you're doing that. That's just cultivating your own being. Yeah. And so before we get into the yang aspect, I'm curious, practically, when you sit there with your notebook, are you meditating? Do you do breath work? Are you doing some kind of a body scan? Or are you just trying to open the channel, turn down the volume of the thoughts in your brain? Like, Do you have a process or practice for that? Well, my process starts with meditation because I typically write in the morning because I feel like in the morning, at least for me, that's when I'm most open. That's when my channel is most open. You know, if I'm if I'm doing podcasts or have meetings or phone calls or have to run errands, it's hard for me to go to go back to this open receptive place after that. So for me, the morning is like almost exclusively when I write. And I start with meditation, and that's just to, you know, that's just to clear my mind. I make a big pot of herba mate tea. I start with, I love coffee, but I start with tea because it's a little bit more of a gentler kind of opening before I get into it. Cause coffee is more of a, it focuses you, but it also narrows your consciousness where I feel like tea is a little different where it kind of expands your consciousness in a way. It's just like a slight difference. So I start with tea before working my way to coffee and it, it helps to have a beverage for me because a beverage just helps me like be planted in my seat. You know, if, if I've got my beverage there, it's like, I'm less likely to be antsy and like, you know, I, it, it just, it gives me a reason to, to, 
just to remain seated. So, and then it, it depends on what I'm working on, but I'll, you know, like today I was working on some social media content and I was just like, what I kind of asked myself, like, what is the message that the universe needs for me today? What is the message that my social media followers need for me today? And I'm almost trying to tune into the collective to, you know, and, th- and this is for social media content when it's like, this is uh it's not like there's a, a book I'm working on where I, I have certain things I need to do. This is more just like open and free because it's like I can post whatever I want today. So when I do that, I'm 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 kind of trying to tune in into the collective. So I'm not saying what I what I think or something that I am so smart that I want to say. It's more like what what message is trying to come through me. And I just try to tune my tune into that and just see what what naturally arises. And then I just follow through and see where it leads me. And that could be a meme, it could be a poem, it could be whatever it becomes. But I give it space to kind of be born through me without trying to micromanage the process. Gotcha. So you're you're slurping your beverage, channeling the the message that needs to come through. And that's the yin aspect. And then mm-hmm. the doing, posting, creating, coffee swilling part comes next. That's right. Yang is creative doing. And that's anything that's creation and uh, action oriented. This is the, the actual making of the thing. You know, I feel like that the end of the yin stage is, is that is that aha moment or that insight that want you know it's the it's the it's the initial birth of the idea but then it's a matter of developing it into something that can be shared so this is this is this is making things it's crafting things you know it's um it's uh it's developing your own unique style you know if you're a writer you know you create art of any kind like what's your style like there could be 10 people could have the same idea, but the way they express it based on their own individual style, it's going to be completely different. So the style is just as important as the idea. It's like our unique signature that makes it unique to us. Um, so developing your style and and, and an essential part of, of, of Yang is showing up consistently and having a dedication. And I feel like there's a there's a nice balance between the yin and the yang when it comes to dedication because on one hand, the muse, when you look at creative yin, the muse comes to you and you can't force it. You can't force the inspiration. But I do believe that when you are dedicated and committed and you show up on a regular basis again and again, the muse recognizes that and the muse is attracted to dedication the muse is attracted to commitment because she wants to know that she can trust you with her ideas so i feel like just showing up again and again and there's a great quote by the the, the painter chuck close where he said inspiration is for amateurs the rest of us just show up and go to work every day so it's kind of like just you know, in, in baseball terminology, you just want to have as many at bats as possible. You know, you're not gonna you're not gonna hit a home run every time. You know, there are certain mornings where 
not much comes out, you know, or maybe nothing comes out. Um, and that's okay. I don't give myself too much pressure to create or hit a certain word count or anything like that. For me, it's just about showing up and at least giving myself a swing at the at bat and seeing what's trying to come through that day. Um, so that dedication is part of part of yang, as well as just finishing and launching projects. You know, if you're if you're in that yin energy all day and you're just in touch with your intuition and you're inspired and you're in your in flow, but you don't have that masculine yang aspect to your work, you might never finish and launch things. So you also have to, you know, edit, finish, launch. And um, and that's all part of the the yang process. So I feel like the creative, the creative process is truly the full spectrum from, you know, yin and yang. Intuition, intention, developing your own style, experimenting, finishing, launching, growing an audience, and even how art can have a social impact. And so. The book really goes through the, that that full spectrum of of conscious creativity and and all the steps in between. I love that. One way I've heard it described is that the muse or inspiration or ideas lands on your shoulder like a butterfly. I don't know if you've seen that quote. And it sounds also like the yang aspect of that is, yeah, but you need to walk into the meadow where the butterflies might be more frequently and then you're increasing the chances that one will find your shoulder. 100%. There's actually a, a, I have a very similar analogy in my book that's, it's about waiting to get struck by lightning. It's like, you want an idea, if you want an idea, you know, to be struck by inspiration, like inspiration, I believe it will strike, but you need to be outside in the storm. You can't be just sitting on your couch eating potato chips. So if you want, if you want lightning to strike, it will, but you've got to make sure that you're out there in the storm where it's where, where the lightning is in order to to for it to find you. Right. Like put on your suit of armor, hold some metal and go stand in a waiting pool, right? <laughs> like give yourself a shot. That's pretty much my morning process. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you did have in the intro to your new book, you had this banger line, which mm. I think I whispered out loud, like, damn, that's good. Which was, all doing is born from presence, and all having is born from being. Or I read that shit, and I was like, dang, that's that's deep. Those are not a lot of words, but there's a lot in there. So I, I might just repeat it for people listening, and then yeah. I'm curious to get your perspective. But all doing is born from presence. All having is born from being. Yeah, thanks for highlighting that. What that reminds me of is how much I was reading the Tao Te Ching during the early stages of the of writing the book. Because I feel like that is definitely influenced by the Tao Te Ching, and that's uh, one of my favorite books. And it's uh, it's one of the oldest uh, spiritual texts that we have. It's like I don't know if it's like almost three thousand years old. And it originates from, I guess, ancient ancient China, and it's it's kind of the uh, it's the uh, it's the first text of Taoism, and Taoism is kind of a, in a way, it's like a precursor to Buddhism, 
So it's like ancient, you know, Buddhist Chinese wisdom. And, and that's where even where the, the yin and the yang come from. Like the Tao is this mysterious force and it's kind of like a, a non-personified way of talking about God. Like the, the Tao is the nature of the universe. And that is, um, and there's stuff, there's all this stuff and things, but it's all born from the void, you know, in the, in the same way that look at all the art in the world and all the, you know, art that humans have created, all the stuff humans have created. It's all come from nothing. Like, I think we, there are some, there are some parts of being alive that are so friggin' magical that we completely take them for granted. Like the creative process, we are literally like, there's nothing there. Like just take this book, this book that I just wrote, for instance, this book did not exist. None of these sequences of words <laughs> existed in the world, right? And through my own internal process, of looking within, listening to the muse, then also taking action. First, you know, writing it in my notebook. I always start with my notebook. I'll have like long handwritten <laughs> pages in my notebook. And then at some point, I'll take those pages and I'll type them up in a computer, you know? And then more things happen. There's book deals. There's me sending the... Uh, the words I typed up to editors, then they send back notes. And th there's this whole process that happens. And at the, at the other end of the process, th th these books come off out of the printer and then they're, and then they're real. And then they're in bookshelves and they're in bookstores and you can hold it and you can read it. That is a magical process. It's like, there's nothing it, that started with nothing and everything in the world starts from nothing. So it's just the, it's, 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 uh, it's the importance of honoring. I think and that, um, that, that void or that nothingness. And it's almost like there's this idea that the philosopher Plato had about platonic ideals where like, there's this other dimension where everything exists before it's, before it's created. And like there is, and I feel like our intuition is how we tune into this other dimension and we receive little nuggets of ideas that we then can bring to life in 3d reality. Um, so I feel like we're all, we're all magicians in a way because, you know, it, 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 we think like magic has to happen. Like you snap your fingers and something appears and that's magic. But just because it takes a little bit longer than that, it's still the same level of magic. Um, so that's what, that's what that, that phrase reminds me of. I love that. It's just slow magic. It's slow magic, but it's not slow in the grand scheme of things. It's like, it's, it's all pretty quick in the grand scheme of things as well, but it's like, it's how we perceive it. Yeah. And even when you were describing the creative process, I started getting excited because I was like, oh, this dude is sliding right into my comfort zone now. Like this is exactly what I dork out about. And one thing I would add to that is just that books are like, written literally on 
tree carcasses and trees eat light. And, and so it all kind of originates from this fireball in the sky. Uh, and then these plants eat light and then we cut them down and print words on them from our imagination. And the whole process when you zoom out is just this absurd, magic, surreal endeavor. I'm like, and then they're just on the shelf or on Amazon and then in your hand. Absolutely. It's uh, it's it's so easy to overlook that, but when you slow down and just there's so much there's so much to appreciate in the small things in life that we take for granted. Amen. Uh, so I have one more of your quotes that I'm curious if we could jam about. Yeah. Which was that creativity can be a spiritual path. And you alluded to creativity being some part of a healing journey. And so what does that mean to you, this idea that creativity is part of a spiritual path? Yes. There's two things that come to mind. The first is that, you know, when you look at what spirituality is, like I often, I, I like to say that I'm not a spiritual person. I am an embodied spirit. So let's start there. Like, what does it mean to be spiritual? It's like, I don't really, I frankly don't quite get that term. It's like, how does someone be more spiritual than anyone else? Because we're all animated by spirit. We all, we all, we all are our spirit inside of a body. So I guess to be spiritual, it's just, it just means to be more in touch with that part of ourselves and, and more, it just means being more connected to the subtler aspects of our being rather than just the rational, logical mind. And it's about understanding that there are things that exist that are unseen. And when you look at even the word mystical, that all that means is like, what is unseen? You know, so if that's what spiritual means, I feel like creativity is one of the best ways we can honor that. Because again, we are born, I feel like we are born to create when you look at the human body and like how it's constructed and what, what, what goes into the human body. It's like, okay, we have imagination and intuition, which allow us to really traverse worlds that can't be seen. You know, when you can imagine something that's not there, what is that? You know, what, what are you, what is like, where is that coming from? And if you have a, a sensation or an intuition you know, where is that coming from? So it really is our portal to these other dimensions in a way. And then we have these brains that allow us to plan and to think and to strategize and, and to actually learn and, 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 and make things. And we have these amazing bodies and these hands and these thumbs and these fingers and these vocal cords, which allow us to type up words and to express them with our mouths and to move a paintbrush like this. So it's like we are literally designed to create and then we're, we're breathing new things into existence. So I feel like if that's not a spiritual practice, I don't know what is. Like there's one illustration in my book that has a... Um, an image of a trumpet and it, it explains the creative process in a very using three things. There's, there's the breath that goes into the trumpet and then there's the music that goes out of the trumpet. 
So in my point of view, we as humans are the trumpet, right? We are the instrument. And the breath is the spirit of the divine that moves through us. And the outcome is what we create, our art, the music. So it's kind of a, it's the marriage between heaven and earth and the product is art. And it even, it says, you know, it says in, in, in the Bible, if you want to go there, it says that humans are made in the image of God. And what does that mean? Like, first of all, like we don't even agree what God is. Right. But I think that at its most core form, God is the creator or even the creation itself. So if we are made in the image of the creator. It means we are designed also to create. So I feel like this world that we live in, it's kind of like we are baby gods and we're practicing the game of creation with everything that we create in our own lives. So I feel like in a way, I feel like creativity is the most um, spiritual thing we can do. And also, you know, I just think that there's um, in terms of the healing attributes of creativity, when we express something, when we make something, I feel like there's a cathartic release to that. Like the same way that you can, you know, as, as we go through life, the body and the mind and the emotions, we experience traumas, whether big or small. And a lot of emotions and pain gets gets stuck and suppressed in our bodies. And that's why, that's where, you know, all these self-care practices come in handy. Like you can go into a sauna and sweat out the toxins. You know, a lot of people like to go to South America and drink plant medicine and you can purge out the sickness that way. And I feel like creative expression is another form of purge where we can extract emotions that are hidden and release them into the light of day. And there's a healing process that happens when we, when we do that. Hmm. And then with the work that you do with clients, people, yourself, can you give an example or two of some of the transformations that have occurred as a consequence of being more creative or practicing creativity more frequently? Because uh, it's not just like, oh, I made a painting or I posted a poem on the internet. I feel like there's a more pronounced somatic, you know, effect that could occur. Yes. I feel like the biggest impacts that I see are, I host uh, an event called Sunflower Club which is, uh, it's kind of uh, an open mic night that's about creativity as a healing modality where people have a forum to come and, and share and express. And I very intentionally do not call it a talent show because talent is not the point. And again, like talent is not the point of creativity. I, li I like to say it's not about being good at creativity. It's about creativity being good for you. 
So my favorite, favorite, favorite thing to see is when people, yeah, some people come and they're super talented and they blow people's socks off and they're great musicians or they wrote a great poem or whatever. And that's amazing. You know, talent should be celebrated. But my favorite, favorite, favorite are the people who are so scared because they've never shared anything in public in that way before in front of a group. And I think it's so important to cultivate a very safe space where people feel comfortable to share their their deepest wounds, you know, and and to and to express them. And it's almost like a I, I guess you can, I, I can kind of see as much as much as I'm not a fan of things like Catholicism. <laughs> I, I can really understand like the idea of the confession. And the benefit to that, you know, when you can, when you can sit with someone, whether it's a priest or a group of people at an open mic night and confess your deepest secrets in a way that is, that is received and held by others and you, and you feel supported in that sharing. It's just so cathartic and it is so alchemizing in that it takes that pain and that that trauma that was buried inside and it excavates it and releases it. And we all feel it. Like the person that shares it feels it. The people that receive it feel it. And there's this, there's this intimacy that comes from doing that. Um, So it's a great practice. You know, I think that not everyone relates to going to church or not everyone relates to the so-called like, you know, new age spirituality kind of stuff. So what I really try to do is, is to provide another alternative. That's there's a, there's a spirituality aspect to it, but that's not how it's really presented or it's not about, it's, it's just, it's just about sharing. It's about um, being in community and expression. And that in and of itself is, very healing. Mm. And is that Sunflower Club an in-person event or an online event or both? Well, I do both. Um, I don't do them online that often, but I have done them. Um, I, I, I host them on a monthly basis here in Austin. But I'll tell you what I really want to do is and I've already done this. So I've I I I I created the uh the guidelines for hosting your own sunflower club. So my dream is to have sunflower clubs sprout up all over the world in big cities, in small towns. Cause I look at, you know, I'm from a small town in Minnesota, right? And there's this, there's just this spiritual elitism that I see in a lot of cities. And there's this um yeah, it's like a, it's like a it's it's a form of almost spiritual elitism that people in a, a, most places don't have access to. So I look at the world and I see people in these, you know, small town dive bars in, you know, what what most people just call flyover country. And I'm like, but these people need healing too. So for me, it's a very accessible way to bring creativity and expression and healing to places where it might not be available otherwise. So I've had, um, we've seen Sunflower Clubs 
um, pop up in in New Zealand, in Florida, in Los Angeles, in Colorado. Um, there's been a lot that have already kind of sprouted up. So I, I I almost want it to be like the creative AA. Like if you like AA is a program that's helped so many people. And you can host an AA, an AA meeting wherever you are. You just follow the guidelines and people come and share and it's um, it saved lives. Um, so I would like to see Sunflower Club become the creative AA where it's just, it, it's all over. So even on, on my website, I've got, uh, you can download the guidelines of how to host your own. Cool, man. Well, hopefully somebody listening just got a little seed of inspiration from that. And one thing that came up for me as I was listening to you was, uh, was this guy, Francis Weller. I don't know if you're familiar with his work, but he he talks about this idea that at some point in life, you need to go from a place of seeking belonging and you go to a place where you're providing welcoming, where you're actually being the open oh. arms saying, mm. yes, come here. Right. And I think in a lot of places, there's a lot of people that are seeking the belonging. And it sounds like what you're trying to do here with the Sunflower Club and your work is just saying, hey, here's some ideas to provide some welcoming. And why don't we try that? Absolutely. I think the best way to make a friend is to be a friend. Hmm. And the best way to find your community is to hold space for community. And I think that, you know, when I, I think it's so important for everyone in the world to step into their purpose in that way, because I feel like when I, when I look around at the world and all of the institutions therein, I don't see a lot of credible leadership, you know, whether you, where we're talking about politicians or like whatever it is, the leaders of industry. So I feel like it's so important for all of us to find out what our purpose is and step into it mm. and to offer it as a service to others. You know, I feel like, I feel like we all have a role to play in making the world a better place. Um, and we all have our own form of leadership whatever that looks like, even it could just be impacting the people around us, you know, our friends and family, but instead of waiting for someone else to do it for you, I think stepping up and being of service to others, whatever that looks like to you is such a benefit to the world. And it's also being of service has been such a benefit to me in my life when I show up for others. And it's, I don't want to sometimes like I'm an introvert by nature. When I, have, when I have to go host an event, I never want to do it. I'm always like, okay, I need to like work myself up to do it, you know, but then I show up and I do it and I'm always feel so happy. I did. Hmm. <laughs> so just getting over that resistance of not wanting to, and just being of service. And, um, that comes back tenfold. Yeah. And creating new projects and creating new identities and creating new lives. If, if only there was a book for people to guide them towards creative practices, you know, <laughs> I don't know, balancing the yin and the yang. 
but I think that's a really wonderful way to to wrap up. And I think it ties a nice bow on everything that you're doing and the underlying purpose and intention for your work, which is to create a better world, create a space where there's more flowers blooming all over the planet. And um, I know you have an Instagram account. I know you've got a couple books, but for those listening that want more of you, where do you send them? So my Instagram is words are vibrations, all one word. And if you go to the link in my bio, you'll find links to all the stuff you can you can pre-order the art of you. Uh, and if you do pre-order, there's all kinds of extra bonus material, including some online classes and events that I'm going to be hosting um, exclusively for pre-order customers. Um, so check out the link in my bio. And my website is just jamesmccray.com. And you can find out more about Sunflower Club and how to host your own on my website. And then when's the book coming out? February 6th. Oh. So it's a couple of months from the recording of this podcast. I don't know when you're going to release it. Yeah. Whenever we, whenever we want, really. Um, but that's exciting, man. How are you feeling now about the impending book birthing? I feel great because I have a plan. You know, this this is my this is my third book and 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 frankly with the first two I didn't really have a plan for launch. Um so I've really put more thought into, you know, launching this. So I got a lot of work ahead of me, but I feel really good about um putting it out into the world. Good man. I'm excited for you. And and well done, you know. Thanks. I appreciate that. Thanks for all you do. Thanks for being here. Uh, I am personally just a huge fan of your work. Oh. I've followed you for a while. I've shared your stuff. I just think you're uh, you're one of the bright, shiny, good ones, you know. And um, and I hope people listening go and discover more of your work and and be the change that you're that you're desiring. So so thank you. That means a lot, Jeremy. Thanks a lot. Yeah, brother. I really enjoyed that chat with James. And as mentioned, you can find his Instagram, links to his books. All that stuff is in the show notes. Please do check his work out. I'm a big fan of his Instagram page, especially. And I'm a big fan of you too. Thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. Thanks for the five-star reviews, for sharing this, for texting your friend and saying, hey, you're a creative person. You should probably listen to this. I think you'll get a lot out of it. I appreciate you. If you're new here, you can find me online at Long Distance Love Bombs. I'm writing and ranting frequently, trying to make the world a more compassionate and kind and enlightening place for all of us to explore the various parts and pieces of ourselves. Thanks for that. I will talk to you soon. And, uh, and that's it. Have a good day. Help make kindness cool. <laughs>